0: Blessed be, for we have finally returned from our excavation, ladies and gentlemen. I know, it's a surprise, but we have reached and acquired the sacred brew. Welcome, one and all, to Cap Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. What a perfect prime time to be alive, folks. uh, Sit along and sail with us, because, oh Jesus Christ, this is going to be quite a hefty one.
1: I'll crack one of that.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think we need to... Uh, I don't think we need to intro- uh, go by saying, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've all heard what's happened in the past week or so. Things are getting hectic. If, especially if you live in the USA and you're listening to this, you've already heard about uh, the Supreme Court overruling... Roe v. Wade and how the media and people of interest are essentially taking back to it. Whether or not, whatever you believe about Roe v. Wade, it goes without saying that this has been taken for a ride, (laughs) whether you like it or not. Because I think at this point, based on what we've seen these past couple years, whatever event transpires that affects the people is essentially shot up to a higher magnitude just for just for clicks and purposes and roe v wade is no exception and i want to i want to emphasize this that we here at the Tiki bar, we have our own opinions barring about the case itself, which is actually different from what we have what we view on abortion in itself so give take that uh with a grain of salt as we explore this topic altogether now I'm just gonna say this I think personally the idea of the the effects of Roe v Wade. Have been both have been both have been effective culturally and detrimental uh, politically. Because while while I myself believe in the rights of abortion, I believe in the idea that people should have the right to make a decision, albeit albeit a tough decision. It does not necessarily. Have to come through at the cost of something of a legal decision that ultimately pushed back on uh, on reproductive rights for the past five five decades. Because let's let's face it, Roe v. Wade was an awfully made decision based on the uh, the deception of facts that eventually led. To the delay of I should say, the delay of delay of a legislature that would have definitively for sure instead of a loose interpretation of an amendment that would have guaranteed such a right. Because once again we it while people were comfortable enough with having a blanket uh, a, a blanket block on the ban of abortion it didn't do anything to um it didn't do anything for states who worked hard who 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 fought hard to try to regulate it to ad finitum and now thanks to the overturning of it they found an opportunity to ban it for what for whatever for whatever reason they may find. I think this is a failure on on our elected officials who could have worked to try and build an amendment to amendment to uh to essentially recognize the right of abortion. And unfortunately, we are now I should say fortunately, with the repeal of Roe v. Wade, it is now being forced upon our elected officials to actually face and deal with the issue at hand instead of relying upon an an illegal legal an illegal decision made by uh, well, to be frank, activist an activist Supreme Court, I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably very broad. But uh, what are your thoughts?
1: You kind of hit the nail on the head with regards to the, the ball by finally being back in the legislative, legislators' courts, something that's needed to happen for a while. There are people who have said that Roe v. Wade was a haphazardly slapped together uh, verdict in general and was used as basically a, a stopping point for a great deal of actual lawsca- lawscaping that could have happened in the interim what this essentially did was take the heat off of the legislature of our, of our federal government to actually do what they were supposed to do because they realized that they were at an impasse on something that shouldn't have been an impasse it shouldn't have been an impassable thing people had been coming up with consensus on a middle ground for those particular movements for a bit of time most people had set specific limitations in in in, in abortion as far as third trimester and parts of second trimester, which in most cases fit well with the old uh, liberal uh, ideology of you know safe, legal, and rare, and <clears throat> what ended up transpiring was is that the states basically had were hamstrung from being able to make their own decision because there was federal precedents stuck in their way to be able to do what they wanted. Hence why you had a bunch of red states that basically said that whenever Roe v. Wade gets overturned, the states will immediately enact swift and draconian rules upon uh, abortion of most kinds. Now, contrary to popular belief, I believe the Mississippi and Oklahoma uh, precedences are uh, still keep intact for cases of rape and incest which as far as i'm concerned is fine
0: i believe missouri is the one that's made the lone exception (sighs) where it doesn't even uh have those exceptions in place
1: can't you 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 can't uh can't make everything the right way it's supposed to be but at least the majority of them all, all have basically come to that consensus i mean they've had since the 70s to make that decision and that's one of the positive aspects of this and having Roe v. Wade create this kind of stagnation is that people can kind of formulate a relatively palatable way to push forth general consensus in their states and still keep most people satisfied, even the, even the minority of people who might not feel that way. Unfortunately, the, the fact that the, there's, you know, the clampdown has occurred... To me, is more. It, it, my issue is that there is an opportunity for things to go further, and even in the even in Judge Clarence Thomas's opinions, he wrote that the things were left open for other, uh, sit other verdicts that were sitting in kind of stasis. And while I'm not a hundred percent sure what value there is in having. You know, gay marriage kind of cut loose in that regard. I can understand it if the objective at the end of the day, which it seems by the by the opinions of the conservative groups in the SCOTUS, is that they're just tired of having those legislative issues sitting on their sitting on top of their heads, something they didn't want because it wasn't their business. It's not their job. Their job is interpretation. And within that purview,
0: it's not just simply interpretation. It is interpretation on whether or not it is constitutional for such for such laws to even exist. That is the issue, and the thing that 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 legislators have forced the Supreme Court to address are laws or cases or case studies that shouldn't have reached that they should have been dealt. Um, by them personally by themselves and yet didn't feel the need to do their own jobs and pushed it upon a higher court mm-hmm. it's understandable that you want at the very least the uh you want the ruling to be as absolute as possible so that we're all um we're, we're all in underst- understanding of what is the th- the law of the land Unfortunately, there are many different sorts of uh, uh, laws and ideas that aren't always going to be um, blanketed as law of the land, and that's what the Supreme Court has essentially declared with the with the ruling uh, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Now. The question would be is abortion itself a a a, a particular uh, is a is abortion a law of the land is it something that can be uh, applied in its entirety throughout one one way or another to uh, to a sovereign nation
1: it's been if you look at the global uh viewpoint of things. The majority of the European nations have already set their the the bars for how they're handling abortion and they are perfectly okay with it as a as an abstract and as a and as a medical procedure. The problem is is that because of the way our our uh rules and our laws are run, there are several you you have the you have the local regional state And then the federal government's basically in a constant flux of things to change, where the federal government tends to be the stopping point for everything to go, you know, over the edge as necessary. What needed to occur was actual law put into place on abortion so that at some point there could be interpretation to be presented to, The Supreme Court, as opposed to just a standing lawsuit that basically was used as a hinge point for for legislators to not have to do their jobs, and that's to me that's honestly the way I look at it.
0: I did find that a bit particularly strange because we we did have essentially since Roe v. Wade was what in the nineteen
1: sixties, nineteen seventies. Yes, nineteen
0: seventies. We had close to fifty years to had this. This, to have this essentially reinforced concrete, uh, into actual law, and yet nothing was really done to to do so. They left it as that is enough to, essentially. That was enough to for 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 the people, and in, in honesty, I've never heard of such a thing. i never heard of such a thing that uh for a law. For for an idea to be legalized in a sense that wasn't directly uh, written as law. Yep. And
1: that's really the problem is a lot of what ends up happening with interpretation of the law is used as kind of a stopgap solution for actual legislation. Something that Constantly keep shifting away, and it's what ended up happening, at least with regards to Roe and Casey, which is the other uh, precedent that they overturned. Um, there was a significant kicking of the can down the road to the point where the the leg- where where legislators never thought they'd ever have to come to grips with it because they were tired; they never wanted to have to deal with it. Now, on the back burner, there were people who were attempting to create actual laws regarding abortion, but they were constantly tabled over and over again, either because of filibuster or because there was just no support for it in any meaningful capacity, which is kind of an interesting thought process if you think about it. If people were so clamoring for some kind of... If if the general populace was clamoring for some level of of, uh, legislative overview on... On abortion, you'd think at some point somebody would have made something more concrete, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe that was the value in having it sit as an, on the Supreme Court as opposed to forcing the legislators to do anything not because they weren't true for lack of trying, but because it's you know this it's the concept of hitting your head against the same wall over and over again. There's no significant value to it, but the you're never really going to chip away at the uh
0: you mean it was more valuable to leave it unattended than to actually address the issue at hand
1: because it allowed it allowed for that that legal gray area where no one could really dispute it or do anything about it but the problem with that was is that there were people chomping at the bit for once you know when it if and when it actually collapsed which and honestly if you look at things all you needed was a, was a, was a full majority in the Supreme Court to finally overturn it anybody who thought that that wasn't going to occur at some point probably would have done everything in their power to ensure that nobody with a pro-life bent would ever make it either under the court or make it into the Oval Office to be able to put in the Supreme Court ju- justices necessary to make that overturning. But honestly, if you look at it from the perspective of somebody who thinks that this should have been legislated a long time ago, I'd rather th- I'd rather the Supreme Court return to its purified state of interpretation and not actual legislation because that's not, their job that is not the purpose of the judicial branch in any meaningful capacity if there's a precedent already set if there's a law already in place and they are they can make a, a molding and interpretation of something that exists that's something else the- taking the fourth amendment and allowing it as their as their bellwether to be able to say oh well it's bodily, bodily autonomy is not going to get you the kind of results you think because it, 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 the bodily autonomy is not right to privacy in that regard in that in their interpretation of things whether you and I believe that in our hearts is irrelevant because we do not have that particular judicial capability.
0: Well, it certainly worked for them for 50 years, if you consider that.
1: It didn't work for them because they were constantly being hounded on all sides, regardless of whether they left it in place or not. And if you, even if you go back to Kavanaugh's hearings when he, when he was being sworn in and Amy Coney Barrett, they made no indication that Roe v. Wade was settled. Actually no they they didn't i watched that i watched both of them and they they danced around it as humanly possible they They made no direct statements to it
0: did the i remember a quote from kavanaugh saying roe v Wade was a settled matter is that a mistaken quote that is a mistaken quote okay he
1: never actually stated that
0: okay so In, in a
1: situation where you're dealing with politicians you never speak in absolutes anyways
0: well actually it's even more important because that was that was supposed to be done in his his uh in 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 his um in his hearing so from what i gather when a Supre- when a candidate for a supreme court justice is being hurt is having has a hearing uh they aren't supposed to make direct uh no um they aren't supposed to make absolute uh statement absolute answers on statements uh, on questions they can't legally answer right so the thing the thing is that a lot of people don't know about that, and they and people start to make claim that they're being rather uh rather suspicious when they can't answer such direct questions. I remember hearing, I remember Amy Amy Combe Barrett's hearing, and I forget who was amongst the people amongst the uh, those who were asking her questions, but I believe she as well was once a potential candidate, and she was. Harking all sorts of questions that Miss Barrett couldn't actually answer. And it made her look all sorts of terrible. Because you one of the things that we the general public want is someone who is open and honest. But when you but when the situation doesn't permit you to do so on a legal basis, if the public is not aware of the Uh, of the protocol it ends up looking very bad on that on that person and unfortunately they i believe the people who questioned took that protocol to their complete or i should say that knowledge to their full advantage
1: but the problem with that is is again
0: it's not a relevant
1: thing for the for the general public to actively know what the protocol is when it comes to more courtier-based things like politics. Should they be aware of it? That's more about a person-to-person case. Uh, we're aware of it because you you and I have, have at least some experience in it through the the, the media we intake, where you can kind of pick and, pick and choose when you know somebody's do, using either subtlety or subterfuge. In, in what they're saying. Well, it's
0: not even that. I mean, technically, I don't know how it is nowadays, but at least you and I have had some experience scholistically with such subjects, such as taking uh, civics and whatnot. Right. Because I think that particular uh, course is starting to fade away from American schooling these days.
1: Well, it also comes back to, you know, the concept of the, the American, America, U.S. government as a learning point. And something that I learned about in, in senior year of high school, along with other, you know, types of social studies as well in my high school career. So it's not something that I'm not unaware of, at least in that regard. But I do agree with you that it's either falling away because of lack of interest on the part of people in in school or a part, on part of the actual curriculum not actually being pushed like it's supposed to there's a certain level of naivete that is definitely permeating in our society especially with the younger adult generations where there's a level of emotion versus actual rational rationalization and rarely do they ever go to the rationalization point they usually they usually ruminate in the rage and emotion area unfortunately
0: you you mentioned the interpretation of the law and that's something that I do want to bring up because it does come it it does come into play when it comes to the supreme court see they go under the idea of strict interpretation of the law and that is it has to directly state in the constitution um the very thing that you're trying to argue for if it's not there then that's not what the constitution permits this is one of the biggest reasons why Roe v. Wade failed, it or eventually.
1: It also didn't help that, that Jane Roe ended up basically coming out, revealing who she was, and regretting most of her decisions on why she actually allowed herself to become a focal point for, a, for such a uh, polarizing concept. And whether that was something she did actively on her own when she reached out and was out for an interview at that point... Or she was coerced, as anybody's guess? Because both sides obviously say, state their own side. Oh, she was coerced into doing it. She didn't, she didn't know what she was saying. She was. They gave her money, and she said she regretted it. And they're like, no, I think she actively had a change of consciousness, change of conscience when she when she went and you know went into the baptism pool, as they said in the interview, and she became a born again Christian. She realized that what she had done and all the things that she did. Basically were being used as a uh, as a divining rod for greater legislation without any real active <laughs> voting and active you know debate and conversation they used it as a way to shoehorn in something that didn't need to be shoehorned in and it didn't also help that she came out and basically said that what she said was absolute lo- absolute and all out you know deception
0: that's the unfortunate truth sometimes unfortunately legislation and uh, and legal decisions are often made through deception because the sad part about politics is that it is often a game of deception it's often a game on wheels behind wheels behind wheels people are always trying to uh one up one uh, one up each other and it ends up becoming quite uh Quite a mess that essentially the masses uh, have to clean up afterwards.
1: The problem is is that they're too busy at each other's throats to actually do any kind of actual
0: cleaning. Well, that's due to another game that the politicians have played for ever since, ever since a government was ever a thing, and that is divide and conquer, because it's easy to deal with the masses when they're at each other's throats and not at yours.
1: Well, Robespierre learned, didn't learn that lesson because he had, it, it, with it was Robespierre, right? Robespierre, yes, yes. yeah. That whole uh, Reign of Terror thing certainly came down in his head, literally. Well,
0: well, that only happened because he turned on his own men, and when that happened, that was when they decided, "Game's over. We will stick with you. We will murder every single other person you tell, but you tell us that we're we're part of your uh your murder project. That's when we call it quits."
1: Your severance, uh, and our, we'll take our severance package with your skull.
0: Well, unfortunately, their skulls were taken as severance packages because when the moderates ended up taking their place, they were dealing with all of the uh, all of Robespierre's uh, retainers, and uh, they themselves were being persecuted as a result. And many of them dealt with were were uh, led to the same guillotine that uh, Robespierre died in. <laughs> oh, well.
1: Again you can only ride the terror for so long before you are eventually overwhelmed by it That's I the mean, reason he's why... Not, he's <laughs> also
0: not alone in that you can see that all you can see that in empires throughout throughout the throughout the centuries you can see that through uh the the chinese empires that's happened all that's happened through almost every single dynasty they've had you can see it in the you can see it through the indian dynasties their their kingdoms are their dynasties were full of uh of, full of revolution uh the mongolians weren't that bad but uh they did have to divide their empires upon, upon genghis khan's death and theirs eventually fell through uh corruption and uh no corruption and uh well again revolutions and then you had the roman empire which was also filled which was a quintessential example of what happens when corruption is led to the point where your populations are just simply not going to deal with it anymore Well, it's hedonism. Hedonism run amok
1: is generally the reason why most things fall to fall apart or corruption of some kind. And I mean, if you look at everything that's going on now and in in the American Republic, you can pretty much see the the, the, the shadows of those pre- previous mistakes being you know repeated over and over again. Whether you want to believe that or not, it, it's difficult to not look at the evidence pre- presented in whatever capacity it's presented and go there needs to be a certain change in one direction or another as 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 i've stated before and i will continue to die comfortably on this hill with a pillow and blanket legislators are the ones who create laws if you force another branch to do the job of another branch you are corrupting the very foundation of what its purpose was they're cutting loose all of these different dictums because they are tired of being the ones who have to hold the weight of them on their shoulders when it is the legislative branch who is supposed to be creating the laws necessary for doing that.
0: The funny thing is that's a relatively new thing because usually when it when you look at history, most of the time it's usually um, government factions that are consolidating power and not necessarily uh, pushing it upon others, not other factions, because eventually eventually a faction becomes so powerful that they cannot—they can no longer be satisfied with uh, the limitations that they have. So they constantly try their damnedest to expand. This is a case where it's not about consolidating power, but rather uh, pushing responsibility onto other factions.
1: One that was rightfully theirs to begin with. It's a retraction of power something that i have to appreciate because uh, and i'm not and it's not from a perspective of smaller government because i honestly don't know there's no perfect number when it comes to that you know depending on what side you ride you ride on one requires one thinks bigger oversight one thinks smaller oversight when it comes to government but with regards to the actual individual branches and their purposes of checks and balances it's necess- it's essential for each of the branches to do what they're supposed to do and when you were when it's constantly being shoveled at the feet of the of the Supreme Court to do the majority of the heavy lifting that should have been done by the legislature, it is absolutely you know crippling to the Supreme Court to be able to do what they're supposed to do, and that's interpretation. You if you want a law, you make the law, and we'll interpret the law you've given us. That's how this works. We're not going to set a precedent on something so ubiquitous that you can't that it's difficult to be able to work your way around it especially when you have all these differing opinions in the general public you know talking to pro-lifers it's very difficult for me to meet them in the middle in most cases I can and I've had conversations with them as someone who is pro-choice but now there is a third faction that seems to have sprouted up out of nowhere and I didn't re and and, then I didn't even realize it whether it's just something that was just given the tag or whether it actually is a movement unto itself, there are pro-choice, pro-life, and pro-abortion now. Yes. Which, I mean, depending on who you talk to, is like, well, that's nonsense. The pro- pro-abortion is just pro-choice. It's like, no. Pro-abortion seems to have a more ext- more extreme bent than even pro-choice does.
0: If you look at the example, what he means... If you look at the state of California, they have pushed their abortion laws where it is not only they recognize abortion through the standard medically uh medical profession med- oh, medical procedure they also now acknowledge and recognize backdoor abortions as a legal thing in their state, meaning it is no longer about having safe abortions it's about having abortions in general. So now it doesn't matter they have essentially thrown out the argument on having safe and legal abor- safe ab- safe abortions for women it's no they've thrown out women's health no, medical health as an argument now it's have the abortion at any price and that is at the far the that is a far extreme uh position to go about it and it's ridiculous if you ask me
1: it is, because there, there's this... I, I'm sure I've stated this before, at least in, in normal company, but there's a certain pendulum swing that comes to when it comes to specific left and right concepts, at least in the United States. And when you have an extremity in one direction, it takes an extremity in the other direction for things to get back righted back to a more consistent swing. The problem at the end of the day for me is that what, this, what the Supreme Court is doing, it's not an extremity. It is, the, it is to them shedding the the, the, the the boulders that they've had to carry on them for, for decades for no discernible reason. It's not their job to legislate. I will repeat that till I fucking die. And I'm going to drop the F-bomb on this one because it's so frustrating to me. You want change? Congratulations. You now have access to your legislator's. Talk to your talk to the politicians who are who represent you and actively make them do what you need them to do. I don't care what side you 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 are pushing on, left, right, or center, you need to have a you need to use the accountability of this. This to me, and especially with everything that was going on with the with the Supreme Court members being doxxed and having their private information. You know, spread across and people protesting and, at their homes, which is
0: illegal. Not to mention having someone nearly attempt to assassinate one of them. Illegal, excruciatingly illegal. Here's the thing, you mentioned you mentioned earlier about Clarence Thomas's idea, or I should say his statements, that may potentially challenge the con- the the, the, uh, the legality of gay marriage. So, and then added the uh, the pendulum swing. So let's talk about something that I think has been uh, widely ignored or denied, and that is the slippery slope theory.
1: Depending on who you talk to, it's either a theory or a fallacy. Oh, the fallacy. problem with that, it's not a fallacy.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen more than enough evidence nowadays, at least in the past twenty years alone, that it is certainly not a fallacy. It
1: well, is, you could go on. You could go on historical precedent since that's your bent.
0: Wasn't the appeasement
1: during, during between World War One and World War Two? Yes, that? you
0: you can argue absolutely that, that it was a slippery absolutely slope. slippery slope because you are argue, you are making. The problem with the uh, slippery slope is that it is often being. It is often being uh, seen as a fallacy claiming that it is claiming that events only happen in a vacuum and that is just simply not true. Right. Humans are living creatures that respond to constant changing events. Mm-hmm. They will they will respond to it however they need to or however they may feel entitled to and appeas and things like appeasement back in the 40s no, back in the 30s or today with abortion it is only a, no, it is it is, has been nothing but a confirmation that slippery slope is a legitimate is a legitimate process we've seen it from a more liberal aspects such as what happens with california we've seen it from a more conservative ends such as the, such as the challenging of gay rights or gay marriage well perhaps gay rights because we don't know because, um, because the idea of slippery slope is how far can you push something until it gets pushed back. We don't know because if we let things go on one way, one direction, then it will keep going. And especially in a politically charged environment like today, it is only inevitable, whether one side or the other, it's going to continue on until you put a stop to it. And sadly, the thing that stops it is not the extreme is not the extremist is not the opposite extremist argument. It's moderation. Moderation is what stops is what stops and cancels out extremities. Correct. And I think it is an aspect of life that people are constantly downplaying just because they, feel, they believe that centris, centrism or moderation is somehow an appeasement, ironically, an appeasement to both sides. But in reality, it is the sense of rationality that they can see the stupidity on both sides of the argument.
1: Essentially. But what needs to occur? What needs to occur is a level of purification, and that's why, to me, the Supreme Court shedding all of these precedences back into the legislative courts or legislative field is something that's essential. Because you want them to interpret something, you have to give them something to interpret. Nebulous concepts are not something they're going to try and interpret. If they're given to situations, especially with Roe v. Wade, where all the stars aligned the way that they have, they and they made their decision. That's what, it. That's what needs to happen. Here's the now thing. you need to. Now, if you want change, you need to actually go to your go to your representatives, go to your senators, and be like, "This is what needs to be done." You need to actually do your fucking job. That's the problem for me. Is I don't care what value there is in the Supreme Court holding things into in a specific level of stasis. It means nothing to me if nothing will ever get accomplished, and it gives these people, the senators and the representatives, carte blanche to do nothing about it in the time being, or to basically drag their he- dig their heels in on, on both sides and just have stiff necks about it for the entire time, and then get angry about it when the Supreme Court goes, we don't want to have this over our heads anymore. This is not our job. We are not legislators. You're legislators. It's your job. Get your Get your stuff together. Send it to the executive branch like you're supposed to do and actively do what you're supposed to do. Gay marriage, shed it off of, of the Supreme Court and make the legislators deal with
0: it. Here's the thing, and this is probably why a lot of people are are, are frightened by, by the prospect. There is simply not enough support for both to be passed through. <laughs> I've spoken with people who are very who are who are, who are highly pro-choice, and they have made the argument that if even a single city prohibits uh, prohibits abortion, then then Roe v. Wade's overturning is a failure.
1: But it's not a failure. It's. And if you look at the opinions, they they, they wanted this to be forced back to the states. Yes. This is what needed to happen in their eyes. Yes. Whether that's a smart idea or not is yet to be seen.
0: Yes, I I agree. I'm saying that the argument is that if even a single city, because they want a blanket, they want want blanket legality all across the states. Because it's not legal if all states don't have it legalized. It's the same with de- it's it's similar to decriminalization. You can argue that oh that means that means a drug is legal. No, it's not. It means they won't normally arrest you for the possession of a crime, but it means not for the possession of a drug, but it doesn't mean that the federal government won't do it. It also means that the that they can choose to arrest you even if you have even if you have any amount. Right. And yes, and at
1: that point I would agree with you in that regard, but the majority of places majority of states that have legal marijuana in one way or another usually are in in a position where they have the authority to tell the federal government that they cannot intervene in that regard, especially with regards to the amount of income they are able to generate. I
0: can't it. say I agree with that because uh, at least when it comes to at least when it comes to the clause of, fe- of federal dominance, it's that whenever there's a clash between legis- uh, between uh uh, uh, law, federal overrides state regardless.
1: In normal cases you'd be correct but the problem with it is, is if more than a certain percentage of your states feel a specific way about something it makes the federal government lose its teeth in regards to being able to exercise their their, their federal rights to do that. If that were the case You'd see a you'd see a fe, you'd see a federal agent sitting at every flipping weed dispensary in every li- state where it's legal, arresting people as they come out of the the door.
0: That's, That's only improbable. if it do- well, if it doesn't benefit them. No, I don't think they would. That's the thing. The difference is that if whether or not it behooves them to actually do it, otherwise, who cares? That's why it's decriminalized and not necessarily not necessarily legalized, because that is basically it's basically the the federal government saying. You know what? We will, we don't have to arrest you. We can, but we're just choosing not to right now. We can arrest you at our convenience. Yeah, when it, when they don't acquire
1: it, when they were when they're, when they're not getting seeing a cut of the money. Yeah. And in most cases, they do. States generally have to give a give a percentage of that to the government because it's all federally taxed stuff regardless. Well, of course, everything's taxed. It's it's just as what it is. And if it's something even if it's something that is a gray area, like Schedule one drugs like marijuana seem to be still looming in, in in those situations where, again, you have politicians who have the opportunity to fix that problem and have stated as such on their campaigns and have made no real efforts to do so. It's very difficult for me to rationalize that that's ever going to be the case. See also a lot of the student loan forgiveness nonsense that was being bandied about during the during the Biden campaign.
0: Oh, it's still going on even right now.
1: Well, that's the problem. Again, it, when it comes to politics, I think a lot of people understand that the majority of p- campaign promises are checks that they're never going to cash within the, to- within the four to eight years that they have available, which is perfectly understandable. At
0: first, I used to think that it was because there was no possible way they could do it, but based on how... Based on the last couple of years, I'm going to argue that a lot of these politicians could theoretically fulfill the promises they asked they're just not doing it just simply because they could run on the issue again right and i think that i think roe v Wade is the biggest example of a cash they never wanted to check because it was such a simple it was such a simple uh issue that they could run on
1: right they could keep using it as a as a you know an infinite an infinite money generator and doesn't not realizing that eventually eventually that well is going to dry out or people
0: are going to notice that you aren't really ca- or you aren't really uh, uh, using it for anything or really doing anything with it and you might end up getting choked by a st- choked by string yeah there's an inf- theres there's a faint there was once the uh, um, I believe it was a mideastern uh, King I think about 10 to fifteen hundred years ago who upon learning about the idea of 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 uh, paper money he decided to go ahead and spend the entire treasury, and then just use paper money as new currency. Needless to say, his he, he was choked to death because <laughs> he quick quick way to learn you don't spend you don't spend the entire country's treasury and then just think that you can easily make it back by printing more money. It Doesn't quite work that way.
1: Yeah, well, if you're not generating anything. There's a, that's the problem as well. Anybody with rudimentary understanding of economics understands that hey, you need to have something to spend to be able to to generate income. Abstracts do not generate income the way actual material goods do. You can be unhappy about it because we're in a scare, We're in a we're still in a scarcity economy where things are based on supply and demand. We haven't gotten to the point where people can just 3D print food into the e- in, in out of the ether into existence and never have to worry about it be, you know, running dry. Nope. We still have to worry about things getting built and made and created. And there's a certain me... level of neglect for that understanding.
0: She's going to make me want to buy a 3D printer and use food product as, as the freaking ink and then trying to build a sandwich out of it.
1: You would be couple steps behind modern technology already anyways because they are already starting to do they have been doing uh food 3d printing at least in in its rudimentary stages and they've made it so that they're using generic proteins to do it so they've actually been able to make vegetarian sausage that literally is generated just from regular you know amino protein protein culture listen i'm
0: not surprised that i'm behind the behind the technology i'm a philosopher not a scientist
1: that's also fair, <clears throat> but we're not at that. We're not at a point where it's sustainable. It's sustainable infinitely, and one of the major headaches that we have to contend with is that everything still has a cost and still has a, a supply and demand paradigm.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, we still have to abide by the flaws of physics, and we can't necessarily generate something out of out of thin air
1: we're We're not there yet, I think, in our lifetime, we potentially could see that, considering we've seen wind sprints of technological advancement in our in our time, you'll probably get a little further than me because you you have you're you're a little younger, but in that regard, I think around the times when we're probably in our eldest stages, we'll likely be able to at the very least see the summit of where we want where we want to be as a society for you know Dealing with poverty and, and hunger and starvation—that'd be nice to see that in my lifetime. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Every I've stated this on, on Twitter before, on countless on and to people in countless times. I said this whole world is a constant push and pull, and when you make a greater wish or, or a wish beyond a basic wish, the more the chances of it becoming a monkey's paw wish in your face is very is much higher and higher as you go along. And that to me is kind of a sad experience because you'll get exactly what you want, but it's never going to be exactly how you want it.
0: And I think that's a lesson that a lot of younger folks, that folks younger than ourselves, that need to start to understand because I think that's the reason why so many people are are arguing on how there is so that they can't even accept even a single city that bans abortion because it has to be 100% legal or it's not legal at all it's not enough the reason why so many people are return uh, aren't happy with the uh with the decision of abortion going back to the states is simply because there're going to be people that are living in states in cities in counties that won't have abortion legalized and while some will argue that that is that that is the choice and the decision done by the states on behalf of the representatives of the people, we have to remember that the representatives we elect aren't always going to be one hundred percent representative of the people living it within those areas, because let's be let's be frank, even among even amongst us, we don't have everybody, even in even in a particular portion of the area. That agrees with 100% of the view, with 100% of each other's views. Therefore, there's going to be inevitably people who are not going to have, who are going to be living in an area that doesn't reflect their views. As a result, they're going to have to deal with whatever whatever, uh, restrictions that may apply to them as a result. And that is the unfortunate truth.
1: Well, you also have an entire generation who refuses to actually adhere to the concept of compromise in general. When it comes to things that need to be done, there's a certain level of push and pull that we have to deal with in regards to getting some of the things we want. You will never get everything that you want. But when you're living in a situation, at least with entertainment and consumption, where anybody can pretty much access whatever they want at any given point... It, there is a certain level of distortion from when you go to a consumable product to actually dealing with other human beings and abstract thoughts as law and morals and something where they're, they're, where they've cast off that concept of push and pull in favor of a, a more selfish, it should just be done and there should be no conversation on it because it's just correct. And that's not how this works. You have to contend with the fact no, that everybody was, has a different perspective.
0: Absolutely, and that was one of the things that the United States, in its inception, was actually far better at than what we were, than what we are today. Compromise is something that the founding fathers understood because it, it they knew that many that many people, as the country would grow would have differing differing opinions and differing views and a lot of these views were going to clash but instead of outright trying to unify everyone in having the exact same views they worked towards unifying them in as many views as they could and leaving the people with the freedom to make their own decisions and make the and have their own views as much as they could was it a perfect system absolutely not and to this day, it has shown that none of this has been absolutely perfect. But as the but as the cent as the centuries passed, they had shown their it had shown um its endurance through its ability to compromise, and whether or not we appreciated the effects that compromises made. Such as the effects of what slavery happened or Jim Crow laws. Not that they were, not that I'm saying that they were right to, to remain, but they were aspects of our, our lives that, may, that, in some ways, kept the country going until the people were smart enough to finally say, this is enough. And we showed that, that we were able to shed them off. Whether through bloody war or through civil rights. And I think at the end of the day, regardless of how the Supreme Court deals with the, uh, with the remaining issues going, uh, going forward, I think that by releasing their, uh, by releasing these issues back to the states, whatever decisions the states make, it will be an there will be things that we will be able to endure and then shed off for something better. Fair enough.
1: I think what I think at the end of the day, youth tends to have a specific tinting on people's perspective of things where there there is a certain level of expectation that things are just going to happen the way they're supposed to happen. With age comes the understanding that there needs to be consensus. I think once these once these younger adults start to get older and older and grasp more responsibility, there they will have the potential to reach greater consensus and meet more in the middle on much more pressing matters because again, as with any good marriage, as with any good relationship, compromise is always something that you need to be participant in and it just doesn't seem to be the case with regards to the current climate because there are too many people who are activists first rather than being responsible civic uh citizens first
0: I think it's I think it, hubris needs to be added into the factor because the younger always at least. The intellectual, the, the intellectual youth are always going to view history and think that because they have that, pers- that perspective in mind, that they're going to be able to make better decisions every single time and not realize that they too are human and they too are subject to making mistakes just the same as their predecessors. The pro, the thing about that is, we see it time and time again. History repeats, or I should say, history rhymes, and it rhymes quite well. You may not always believe that you're doing. You may always, you might believe that what you're doing is right, but history doesn't always reflect that very sentiment. You might find yourself in the wrong side of history, and that's not because you decided that. At the end of the day, your actions will be judged by future generations. And those generations will have their actions judged by those after them.
1: I agree. The next topic at hand, we will be talking about the different aspects of the sanctity of life in regards to the abortion conversation, the different facets of that that have come up in the past 50 plus years, something that we've skirted around and talked about before, but in regards to a greater concept and having discussed these things with pro-lifers in general, it's something where we're kind of taking a point counterpoint on things. I will take the position of pro-life in regards to the sanctity of life in general, and obviously Orlando will take the pro-choice, pro-abortion route, as those are two separate things now.
0: I'll do my best to address with what knowledge I have on the subject.
1: Absolutely, and same for me.
0: Now, if you're talking
1: to a pro-lifer in regards to the, the things... All life, all life is precious, especially within the regards of human life. The belief in the concept of natural law is something that many Christians, Judeo-Christian groups, are very comfortable with as regards to the basis of both the, the sanctity of life and the basis for which a lot of governments have created their social structures. Natural law in those regards tends to fall along the same lines of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but it's much more um obviously much more organic in regards to that because it's in more reference to an individual's temporal value in in, in the in in God's space as it were, and what they are what it what they are given carte blanche to do within the realm of God. This doesn't obviously extend out to a more athe- atheistic or, uh, I guess, secular viewpoint, but it's something that just is a unspoken rule with regards to those things.
0: I do find that ironic, especially considering um, just how just how a lot of a lot of the conservative side tend to uh, value uh, property, for instance, and uh, you think that. W- they would have pushed for a more, um, more John Locke style, of, uh, of. Um, <sighs> I'm sorry, a more, a more stop John Locke style philosophy towards the Declaration of Independence because the life, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was once life, liberty, and property. But I guess they didn't fancy that too much.
1: I think they, in my thought process, it was an evolution of something that also covered abstracts. Whereas just saying life, liberty, and poverty kind of left things very, you know, static. These are the things that you were talking about. Making pursuit of happiness creates this more open to interpretation viewpoint of what that may entail. Because you can have somebody who lives very minimalistic and travels a lot and for them that's their happiness so they don't need you know wealth or property to do any of those things as long as they have the means with which to do them then you might have somebody who is a you know a multimillionaire who owns lots of things and for them that's their bount, bount of happiness as far as uh, as far as i'm concerned it, it's all based on individual perspective that's why you would use a more broad term is such as pursuit of happiness instead of instead of property specifically
0: it looks more towards the future than something that uh, could be essentially outdated by time
1: right and uh, things evolve when it comes to the that situation with regards to the sanctity of human life my my and I and I have my misgivings, and obviously you may address them on your on your end of things. If you don't, I'll obviously bring up counterpoints to what I'm going to be talking about. All right. But with regards to pro life, there is a certain perspective that life begins at conception. There is to them they believe that there is a biological precedence for this, as they have you know doctor um, doctoral proof that those things are true on their side they believe that the, the moment the the moment the child drops into the womb womb in one form or another that it's a living breathing thing it's kind of a very nebulous thought process but i'm not a nebulous
0: more. thought process so you no know, so absurd that you only ha- the most the most expectant parents don't even know that they're expecting For at least 6 to 12 weeks. After the fact.
1: Moreover there's a chance for miscarriage. For the first majority of the trimester. Anyways. Anyway. Getting off topic. And that anything that is done to the child. Within regards to this. Is. Is. Blasphemous. And and akin to human murder. Murder of a sentient life. In that regard. They believe that there has been a. Gross mis, gross abuse of the tools that we have at hand to deal with a lot of the mistakes that are made in life, and they believe that there's a a walking away of responsibility on all parts, on all adult parts, with regards to procreation and all of the uh, associated escapades that come with that. To me, it it, it rings hollow in general, but. I can understand where they're coming from in regards to that aspect. Not so much the aspect of, you know, life is sacred and starts at a specific point, especially in the face of the the different back and forth that has seemed to happen. My my, my belief is, is that, there's, that, that no one wants to be right. They just want to be right at the
0: moment. It rings hollow because the unfortunate cold-hearted truth is the fact that Life is not at all precious. If you look at it from a scientific, bio, uh, scientific standard, ca- raising young is, and caring for young has been something that been, is relatively recent. The, vo- the vast majority of life on the planet has little to no child care, and abortion in wildlife is, is, not a, is not an exception, but a normality. It's part of the rule of life. It's something that ev- that almost every single organism on the planet goes through on a natural process, and on a variety of different reasons. Whether it's whether comp- whether it's to save save the expected parent's life, or just simply to use as a distraction from the from the uh, 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 from the from the predator chasing. Them. For example, kangaroos will abandon their own young. If a predator if, if it's necessary to escape a predator, they will leave the Joey to die if it needs to. Post abortions are a thing in nature. And when it comes to the idea that, that humans uniquely value life, they don't even do that. We eat chicken eggs. We the eggs of the unborn we are perfectly fine with eating. And we not only eat them; we literally harvest them from their mothers to
1: eat. Yeah, but that's a, that's animal life, and if you look at the Bible, it doesn't really cover any of that. It is the human life that's more pre- prevalent to them in that. Regard. Yes,
0: but it shows the utter hypocrisy that okay. hu- that humans have in doing no, no, in uh, in valuing valuing uh, human life, or should say, the unborn over some no, other uh, over other wildlife it's why a lot of that's why a lot of vegans in particular despise those who are um who are quote unquote pro choice because they're willing to eat other unborn life perfectly fine the point while for, sa- while keeping their sacred the the
1: the stepping point for most most pro lifers is that there's a there is the concept of sentient life a creature that is given to be able to make its own decisions and has a for has a front a frontal lobe to be able to be rational, and it's... and the potential within that. And yes, I know what you're going. I know which direction you're going to go. And please do. I'm just giving I'm laying the cards on the table. I know at
0: that's this fine. Point. I'm not ar- I'm
1: doing my best to not to bite my tongue uh, by, to bite my tongue in regards to by, in, inserting my own idioms into this because I want to keep it as pure as possible within that regard. This is why
0: I'm making the argument. I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not trying to softball this. Otherwise, what's the point? This is why this is this is why a lot of uh, a lot of uh, human beings study animals. And they study their way of life, their way of being, and they even do their best to interact. This is why Coco the gorilla was a thing. It was a gorilla who could, that who they taught sign language to to show that the that animals weren't just mindless beasts just because they were less intelligent than us. They showed you know, Coco was able to show you know, what was once considered uniquely human emotion, rational, no, rationality. It was able to express all of that, even up to her dying breath. Rest in peace, Coco. So to un- to believe that animals are in some in some level less sentient than human beings is completely out of the question. The only ones that I could even make the argument that might be less sentient are the ones that literally don't have brains, like sponges, and those are some of the earliest organisms that ever walked the pl- that ever stood on the planet.
1: Yeah. For lack of better term, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, sponges aren't walking around. It's not SpongeBob SquarePants here.
1: <laughs> well, it seems to be the majority thought process, at least from what you're displaying, is that the pro- pro-life concept is much, very much a human supremacist viewpoint. It's like humans are, humans are the apex predator. Therefore, we have, we have a certain level of grace, a certain level of what is uni- divine, divine protection within that regard. What
0: is uniquely human... Is the concept of superiority right? Animals don't look for that idea. They just look for the most part. They it's it's the survival of the fittest. They're not looking to be the top dog. They're just looking to live, and they'll find and take advantage of any opportunity that go that that uh, that allows them to do so. Humans uniquely put a category among the. Uh, amongst uh, all organisms, so I would it 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 goes all the way back to Hubris, humans having the uh, the the egotistical nerve to believe that for some reason they are the ones that have a righteous indignation above all other creatures on the planet. Now say what you will, we've accomplished. Quite a bit. Some things that no other organism has ever come to, but there are things that other animals can do that no human, as of yet, if not ever, has reached. Fair enough. I mean, you're we're certainly not going to be physically strong enough to cut no, to to create a capitation bubble in, under the ocean. Yeah, the. Uh, You've ever heard? Look up the mantis shrimp. If you've ever seen it, the punching mantis shrimp. Those guys are—they're uh, a bit on the ridiculous side. Yep,
1: very much so. Do I? I. But it, when you get down to the brass tacks of things, there's a certain the, the point of of the back and forth was to eventually come to a middle consensus, and it's never been achieved in a way that we wanted it to be, and that especially extends to the sanctity of life. Because you have situations where people state that, you know, first heartbeat is when something is considered, you know, alive. You know, movement. There, there's all of these different milestones with regards to things where, where
0: people use as a rationale for one side or the other. Here's the thing. It all sounds noble when you put it into that perspective. But then the child is born. And one of the things that you can make the argument that we have failed, at least in the terms as a, in the US society, is that we don't really pay much attention or provide much care for the child upon its birth. In fact, this is one of the reasons why a good majority of, uh, of low income uh, uh, youth eventually grow up to be criminals because we don't provide significant care or significant support for the young. And that goes back but
1: now you we have to swing back to the pro life aspect of things because then that comes to responsibility. With the, and this is the this is the the argument that is being used in most cases with the levels of contraception that are, we have access to, with the levels of protection we have access to with regards to sexual reproduction. And the level of and the level of uh responsibility that should be levied for each human being who is of age to be able to do those things, it is up to that person to be able to make those decisions with regards to ensuring that a uh, that those things don't happen. We, Rather, and if it does happen, that is their responsibility to take care of what they've created. Is is the pro life stance on things?
0: The lowest income of people do not have all that access. Some people simply do not have access to even the least expensive options. So, what do you do in those regards? Don't. I'm not, again,
1: this is the perspective. If you do not have the capability to be able to, you know, double bag it, as as they say, or to have, you know, a, a, a diaphragm put in for for whatever purposes. If you, are not in, if you do not have the income to do those things, then you shouldn't be participating in the sexual arena until you are ready to do so. Yeah. And as it's, if it sounds like abstinence in that regard, it is to a point with regards to having access to much more complex contraceptives.
0: So what about in regards of rape and incest?
1: In most cases, if you look at a lot of pro-lifers, they do make that caveat. The ones that are hardline who don't, because they value life regardless of whether it is, because in their opinion, all life at that point is innocent, which I would which I would dispute, depending on what your religious beliefs are, because in most cases, the, the pro-life viewpoint is very much a religious belief. Um, you were born with original sin anyway, so there's no such thing as an innocent life, unless you're going to change the definition at that point, or try and morph it to a way to make your side much more palatable.
0: Unless you ignore the original sin... You Most just simply people, simply ignore it because if everybody has it, there's n- literally no point.
1: Well, it, again, it's, it depends on what your what your it's like.
0: It's like adding it, it, It's like a, an equation where you add the same amount to each side; it doesn't change the value of the equation.
1: The thing with it is, is depending on what your religious viewpoint is, as I said, because that's the wellspring for the majority of their of their reasoning, and I use that term loosely. You have situations where they go, "Well, Jesus died for our sins, so there is no original sin anymore it 's like, okay, well, depending on what your view what what your Christian upbringing is, you have Catholicism which still forces you to go through the sacraments before you can indulge in the fact that you you have jesus 's blessing there are other religions... several different religions who believe that you are stuck with original
0: sin until you absolve yourself of it Other religions actually argue for abortion jew Ju- Judaism is an par- is, a, is an example. Where, as lo, unless the mother's life is in peril, the um, I should say, unless it's not in peril, I should say, Uh even if it's not in peril, it's still the decision of the mother to make.
1: That would be a con- a conversation you should have with Ben Shapiro then, because Ben Shapiro is an Orthodox Jew and very much is pro life. Whether that's going well, against sp- his,
0: whether... I've spoken with other supposedly Orthodox Jews, and they've all said that they that that it is indeed the mother's choice to uh to abort the child, regardless, and they don't agree with Ben Shapiro's take on it. So he's much more hardline even than they are. Or, more, or is he? Or he's, or he's, su- or he's making an, or he's make, he's making an argument that isn't necessarily correct on on the at least when it comes to
1: the, the Jewish uh, perspective. Or maybe it's just a different different segment of the Jewish Jewish faith. That's the problem with those things: is that you have you can have several different flavors of a particular religion. That the myriad basically makes it so that you don't know what you're going to run into. Or someone could completely change. It's like the concept of Islam is you have the different uh, apostles that that were fo- that followed uh, Muhammad Muhammad, and that you, know, you have the Shia, you have the Sunni, and a whole bunch of these different branches of Islam who have their own particular perspective on what was dictated. It's, it's so you can have a variant of flavors when it comes to that sort of thing, which is staggering within and of itself. But I guess that goes to show you that, that humans can find any way to try and ra- rationalize their own viewpoints. That's one of the major headaches as an agnostic that bothers the, bothers me to no end is that you're the imaginary friend you've cr- constructed for yourself May never be this, the exact reflection of the actual overbeing that might have actually
0: created everything if there is one well, to be fair you, religion was often used as a unifier a long time ago to uh to to unify tribes local tribes to build some, to become something stronger because there was strength in numbers uh now i can you can make the argument that religion as a unifier is an outdated concept. Considering that much of the modern world no longer has a far more secular perspective than religious, even amongst the mo- even on amongst uh, devout of religious folks, they still live far more secularly than their ancestors would have several centuries prior. True. One of the major headaches for the... me
1: is, is that, in, especially in the U.S. government, though there are people who are pushing back against these things because they're looking for a gym, mental gymnastic way to re- reattach religion to uh, state affairs. As far as I was concerned and what I had learned in school, those things were meant to be separate for a reason. Mm-hmm. There is an actual constitutional precedent for separation of church and state. As there should be, because if you were going to have them be together, then you would have the oversight of the pope d- dictating
0: exactly what your what your country could do at that point. Here's the thing: the religious argument for abortion has to come to an end, because there are so many there are religions in itself, like we just discussed, that have conflicting views on on abortion so it needs to be a secular it needs to be a secular issue that needs to be discussed and it needs to be something that needs to be appropriated in the uh in in the dis, in the discussion and in the process of uh um uh, uh, of the legal issue at hand the problem with this is and this comes down to the
1: concept the, the the schism that has grown since well it's been a constant one and I'd say probably started to come to started to come to an actual realization, probably in the seventies and the eighties, with the hippie movement and then the counterculture movements that the the eighties brought with us and started to catalyze especially in the nineties and with all of the nonsense that was happening in the Catholic Church, there was a certain level of betrayal that had occurred within the Catholic Church that was just unreasonable for most people, and I think that among uh, among other things definitely crafted a, the atheist viewpoint of things as a, as a counter to the growing malice that was occurring in the church and the indifference that the church felt for, for society because they believed that they were the supreme authority regardless of the fact that their priests were touching kids. And they've never really absolved themselves of that. They've merely just turned their back on it. And the, most of the people I've talked to... With regards to that, kind of try and brush it aside as if they that they're separate from it. And my response to that is, if you're part of their community, you have you have you are still a representative of that of the church, in one form or another. Even if you're just even if you're just a follower, and you have to come if if even if you have come to grips with the fact that that has occurred and you're okay with it, which you shouldn't be anyways. It is difficult for most normal people who are going about their days to rationalize giving a, a, an institution like the church any benefit of the doubt because they never fostered anything any of that. Many people would agree with that because it's, like you said, it's a way to build community. and it is. To me, religion is the way is basically the franchisation of community. It's like when you buy a franchise from a company, it's a pre-made, pre-made business model that you slap down and basically pay for things and create a business off of. It's the same concept with church. The church is there as a template for you to be able to craft a community around and allows for a set of specific social structure and moral structure that can be ported forward into, for, into further generations. With very little friction. The problem with this is you haven't absolved yourself of the existing friction that's been sitting there since the, since the late 90s. The problem as
0: well with, with secular with unionization secular is that, unfortunately, there is no foundation to try and unify the people under, you know, under secular thought. The closest we've ever had was during the Renaissance in the, in the 1500s. And that was because that more that was because there has been growing discontent with the Catholic Church, that it that it forced more secular thought amongst the people, and that and that was rather critical, especially due to the lower level of education people had on average at the time. And that to me goes back to my my statement as a whole.
1: Is that. The current Judeo-Christian, Islamic, etc. god that exists, or Pantheon as such, are a human construct. They were constructed for the purposes of setting up a society to ensure that there was a singular directive that humans could function under. The issue with that is, is that, as you've stated, it's an outdated model in and of itself. But the problem with human mind is, is they have to grasp onto, there's a balance between the more temporal and the more spiritual. And there hasn't been something to, for humans to grasp onto. And even with the atheist community, science was a poor substitute for spirituality in that regard. As somebody who is not very, who looks at organized faith as a smoke and mirror prospect, as it really is. It served its purpose in the smaller communities where it where it's a burgeoning experience because there's no outside influences to really buck against the trend. It has its values with regards to an overall global viewpoint. It's very difficult to be able to contend with a religious religious a non secular pr- perspective. In a smaller m- micro cross section versus the whole of the global community, which doesn't nearly support that level of spirituality. Now, there's again, it's another pendulum swing scenario where you have people who are starting to be much more religious in that regard, at least by the, the by the things that I've listened to in the past on both sides, because atheism as a as a as a stand-in, was a poor excuse for spirituality in and of itself. That's why you have a lot of neo-pagans who have come out of the woodwork, Wiccan, and etc. That's been something that's been going on since, I believe, the 1980s, probably the 70s at that point. Again, probably a wellspring of the hippie movement. Something that just happens. <clears throat> but, regards to that, there's never been an effective replacement. There just, there isn't. It's being going to full rational log- logic and going science. It's not possible. There's too many things that people believe that science doesn't explain well enough, or science doesn't dying to explain well enough to your average your average human being. Not everybody gets it, and
0: I get that aspect. You could make the argument that it is part of. It's a part of us in a more genetic level, and that's because there has been burial sites, ancient burial sites found all over. Uh, all over Western and Central Europe, of prehumans who have been covered, uh, who have been discovered in what is considered to be burial sites and in ritual burial sites, to be specific. So we, at least, there is some aspect to to religion that seems to be engraved in all of us innately. And it's probably why something like the sci- like a, re- a science and reason, is not something that can be uh, effective in in the human conscience. And because at the end of the day, no matter how much we discover, no matter how much we learn, it never satisfies us because it never leaves us with anything uh, that feels secure, rather than actually being secure. It seems that humans still latch on to a more emotional aspect of of our primal being that keeps us going. And I think that's one of the reasons why religion still holds on to today, despite the fact that it's become uh, rationally obsolete. The major issue for
1: me is that what we've created in place of this... And depending on, the, depending on who you talk to, there's a specific level of depression that seems to have gone with the, the skeptic viewpoint and atheism as a whole, because there's a certain. We have to understand that the human mind can only really grasp under a certain number of concepts at any given point there's a level of fatigue that comes with that and i imagine that translates into much more of a depression with regards to that because you feel as though you cannot contain all the information within that whereas a religious person just can chalk up a good portion of it to detific uh interventions and leave it at that and feel contented with that particular thought process it gives them a focal point with which they can continue to be a forward-progressing human being because they can dump it dump it into the catch-all bin of well god said that's how it happens or x god said how that happens with regards to a more rational or skeptic viewpoint you are perpetually given down the path of understanding you want to keep understanding more as you said and there's a void that keeps building as you keep understanding more that you don't understand enough. And you will never understand enough. That's my philosophy in life in general is I know nothing and within that construct I can learn anything. And it, came, it took a while to get to the point where I can feel that way and not feel completely and utterly depressed by that because every time i would look one direction or another there was in one study over you know that contradicts another study that contradicts another study and i make this reference to to regards to the different push the different contending sides it's like an epi- it's like one of the older episodes of the simpsons treehouse of, of horror where they're picked up by the aliens and one of the characters lisa actually finds their cookbook and it says how to cook humans and every time each of them blew off space dust off of it, the caption kept changing. And to me, that's what this all plays out like when it comes to the different statistics and surveys and information that keeps being presented. There's not one answer in that regard. People will pick one side or another based on how far they're willing to step into the into the insanity that is understanding and knowledge. And obviously when it comes to confirmation bias that definitely plays a integral role in how far somebody is willing to go down that path and and that's the problem with religion and the bait and the boon of religion is they're willing to stop right at the door in most cases because they're willing to let their deity pick up the slack on the majority of things that they don't feel like you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting on and it gives them a clarity of purpose that many people don't have because they've those people have invested more energy in trying to understand the world as opposed to just shrugging and going, eh, I gotta get back to work.
0: This includes, by the way, the religion of science. Because we're not talking about those who are willing to actually step out of their comfort zone and actually look for the actual information that, uh, co- that, that corroborates either one, one, uh, one statement or another we're talking about those who also have their own biases about particular subjects and are willing to only look into information that may co- may confirm them even if they're outdated or just false altogether and we've seen that in the last couple of years and it with all sorts of different topics from the coronavirus and yes even to abortion in itself and thing that uh, and that's not things that People like to consider just because they are very controversial subjects altogether. The unfortunate truth is. And I mean, can you blame people for not wanting to uh, accept things that, as they are on a true factual basis? It may, Because a lot of these things can, utter, can utterly destroy a person from its core when they're confronted with information they absolutely despise this is why confirmation bias is often a deterioro- deteriorating aspect of the human conscience because at the end of the day most people are going to use their biases as a as a comfort zone because that's how they've established their existence, whether they were raised to be that way or they ended up uh, they ended up uh, uh, embracing it as they got older. Um, it's something that that's become a part of them. And that's what makes topics like abortion such a teeth grindingly difficult uh, uh, discussion to have. Because unfortunately, even as as detached as uh, Drew and myself are when it comes to the subjects, there's there are not that many people out there who can who can easily who can make that uh, detachment just as easily. Unf- unfortunately, passion becomes a very critical part of uh, of confirmation bias, and that is both for the overly zealous religious. To the, uh, to the scientifically bound.
1: Very true. I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to the, the back and forth that pro-life and pro-choice have, and by extension pro-abortion, it's more of personal responsibility plus understanding of the biological uh, processes that our bodies go through, plus personal emotional investment in what whatever in the particular uh viewpoint will equal out what at the end of the day that person's perspective ends up being on those sort of things and when you acquire it, what you're going to end up seeing something that even Phil brought up at one point is that you're going to start seeing handmaid's tale style enclaves of religious uh zealotry when it comes to that sort of stuff And when you have a situation where you have states who have differing viewpoints, that's bound to happen in that regard. Is it going to be the extremity of Handmaid's Tale? I doubt it. Because there's still a level of federal oversight where they can't technically get away with that stuff. And if they push too hard in a direction because they are aware that that, that they're being watched like a hawk with regards to what they do... they're they're not going to be able to go to that level of of chaos that these people think that they are and what, you know, fiction has drawn the conclusion of. Do Do I think that there's going to be galvanization on both sides? Of course there is. There already was. It's as you said about California. I'm sure our state will follow the same protocol. Pretty sure all the other blue states will do the same thing. And the red states will do what they're going to do. It just is what it is. When you have have a convention of states like we do, they're going to do what they want to do. And at the end of the day, the federal oversight is merely just there as a blanket way to set a bridge no further in most cases. And it's already been proven multiple times, especially within the Civil War. Hell, the entire Civil War was sparked by the fact that the North was disobeying federal dictum that stated they weren't supposed to free the slaves that they were catching. Along with other things.
0: Oh yeah, because the irony that the irony that the South has always been making is that they argued for that they argued that they fought for over their over their over states' rights, when they were in fact doing the very thing that they claimed to have fought for, and that was impeaching the right, impeaching states' rights, because the 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 um the the, Sla- the slavery act that they uh, that they proposed after the Compromise of uh, of. E- I think it was 1820 or 1820, uh, 18, uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, the compromise that they made that the Federal Slave Act was a lot harsher. It forced Northern states who had slavery illegal to be bound to the very laws of the South and forced them to, uh, to cooperate with the Southern states to capture slaves that had run away, that had somehow escaped from the southern borders. In the biggest irony, they were imposing on the northern states to do the very things that they had prohibited within their own borders. It's true.
1: And they also attempted to make it so that their slaves could vote, which was very confusing to a lot to most people, but with their their rationale for this was as they worked for them, so therefore they should be given the rights to actually vote. Which
0: well if you which the, to the, me just seems
1: like a more of an advantage on their end because
0: if if the 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 idea was that the slave the slave owners could get their slaves to vote on the, to vote in their benefit right because be if they advantage. had the larger numbers then that then then it would uh it would offset and put and it would offset the balance the northern states didn't want that. As you
1: wouldn't, because that would be stacking the deck.
0: But it also forced them to realize that they had to, essentially, take away the rights of voting from people who were already enslaved. That is so a they were, they were, sword. Yeah, they were stuck in a bad conundrum. Not to mention that despite the fact that they wanted those people free, they were still wildly racist. They still had their own fucking... Yeah, the biases freaking... were still there for the yeah. time. And, and and that's that that's goes how the without three, saying. Yeah, that's how the three fits compromise ended up happening. Still, ha- still totally fucked up. But when you put when you when you take a look at the context, you start to understand why it is it ended up being the way that it is. It's true. It wasn't a messy. It, it was a messy, messy compromise.
1: I mean, it all was. Extremely messy in and of itself. So it was, Agreed. I mean, you're you're just putting you're putting chocolate syrup on a pile of garbage already. Anyways, as it stands, what we're dealing with now is something of a. It, it's going to be a tipping point, I believe. There are many people who who believe that this is the impetus for for civil war in regards to those things. I'm not willing to humor that if only you could blame you could blame normalcy bias maybe I just don't think that anything bad's going to happen in general and that could be the case but I like to imagine that I have the I have the brain cells necessary to slam together to see whatever writing on the wall people are viewing though if we keep having supply issues you will definitely see much more conflict with regards to that because when people start starving they start climbing out on the streets to try and find food such as it is. But that's a separate topic for another day. With regards to this, if it keeps going down the way it does, you're going to see the Supreme Court shed a large cross-section of the lit- of the litigation that they've basically been stuck with and forcing it back to the back to the legislative branch to do their actual job. Will they do that job? No, they'll probably tongue click and you know complain that you know that the Supreme Court had the opportunity to leave things well enough alone and didn't take it. And to me, that sounds like lazy talk of people who don't want to do their job.
0: Remember, folks, at the end of the day, we pay these guys. We pay them to do the job. They dim- they, they are the
1: they-, they are the elected officials we pay for. The judicial branch is not something we pay for. Those people are appointed.
0: They are appointed, and they're appointed for life. So you could do one of two things. One, you can make the argument to try and limit their terms, which, in my opinion, isn't the worst idea. I just think it's a waste of time. Or you can deal with the elected officials we have, the ones that come that we pay out of our own pockets through taxation, and get them to do what it is that we want them to do, or we throw them out because they do not. We don't follow them;
1: they follow us because that's the point of their that's the purpose of their existence. They have
0: made us. They had tried to get us to believe that we are subjects to their win. when in reality it's the other way around. And
1: that, and that's one of the major unfortunate side effects. I think of this as a po- as a boon and if you look at a lot of the the right they're already stating this is what we wanted to happen everything is now in place for us to actually talk to our representatives and our senators and get them to start stomping for what we want if you were smart if you were pro- actually pro choice if you gave a shit about what needed to happen you would be on top of yours the same with the same fervor in trying to push that forward and Caveat that. Say, if you do not do anything, if you are not pushing what you need to be pushing, which you should be anyways because it's the job we presented to you, you are a representative of our will. You are the avatar for the region's will that you are presiding over. No corporate money that you're pulling from elsewhere changes that at the end of the day, and if you keep pressing those buttons and acquiring the corporate information and lobbying money you have, you're going to finally see the repercussions of of your actions and disappear from the positions that you're in in favor of someone who actually will do the job that's one of the major headaches that i think that people need to contend with and that's why there's so much despair on one side over the other. one side's overjoyed because they see this as an opportunity to finally put the nail in the coffin of abortion. That shouldn't be the case. If you people cared enough on the left side, on the side of pro-choice, you would be pushing back with all the fervor that you have instead of protesting at the at the supreme court. Why? They're not you they weren't elected by you.
0: They don't answer to you. They don't
1: answer to you. That's why your assassination attempts and your protesting at their houses and making their their neighbors feel un, unsafe and unsecure did nothing. Because at the end of the day, they are not beholden to you. You have a perfectly effective outlet of people who are beholden to you. Your elected officials direct your ire at them and force them to do the job that they need to do.
0: And if you want to consider it, they had over fifty years to make the amendment necessary.
1: Right. They had the time to make laws. They did not take it, and every opportunity they had that they um, not to mention that the, they always have riders and pork and other things that are always added onto laws to make them untenable for most people because they're trying their darndest to not have to do a multitude of different laws. They want to do one gigantic omni law that they can just slap down that allows them to not have to do nearly as much work. If this is the level of sloth that we've cultivated in our legislative branch, then it needs to be pruned much more much more fervently than it did before. These people need to actually get up, start stomping on, you know, pounding their hands on the table and doing the job that we've actually elected them to do in that regard. If you want abortion to be a law, you need to make the lawmakers make it a law, not the interpreters to interpret it into a law by using some convoluted fucking magic that you think is going to make everything better. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, they're going to keep shedding all of these rules until it forces the states to do what they need to do and forces the federal government to actually be uh, the federal legislative branch to actually do their job. If if they're not going to, then it's going to fall to shit and it's not going to be the supreme court's fault you didn't they didn't get elected by you they don't care what you think in that regard because their objective is to interpret the constitution and the laws that are presented to them by the legislative branch if they're not going to do if they are not allowed to do that if they have to legislate from the from the bench then it completely corrupts what they're trying to do there are people who think that the supreme court doesn't even need to exist In that regard, I think that's stupid because there's a reason we have three judicial, three branches of government as a checks and balances to things. But I can understand where their heads coming from. They're looking at it purely from the fact that they've been legislating from the bench for so long that the the pure understanding of what they're supposed to do is completely been polluted to the point where they might as well just be another arm of the legislative or executive branch, which is why they're shedding all of these different dictums that they've been forced to carry for so long.
0: Here's the thing. They've told you that they've been legislating for nearly half a century now, and yet no wor- no nothing, nothing of note has even come close to being successful. Right. Here's the thing to think about. If your legislators are tipsy-toeing in trying to get this passed, maybe you want to consider they may not actually support what it is that you want. And if they don't get them out, yep, it's bad enough that you've had in nearly over fifty years to get this legalized, get this uh, com- um, cemented into into government into uh, government policy, but to have them re- uh, delay or flat out refuse to legalize abortion or put it into you know state or let alone national law kind of has me showing these folks are only doing so or making these claims as nothing more than show and for that you really really need to test their willingness to serve you the people the community and if they are not willing the only solution is to get them out Yes, and cause... vote the, and vote the person that will do the job. You have spent more than enough money. Your parents have spent more than enough money. And your parents before that have spent more than enough money on these half ass senators, half ass representatives that do nothing but talk and only get paid to show off.
1: It's hard to disagree with that level of fervor.
0: (laughs) Well, they're the... Well, people... Here's the thing. People don't don't understand reason as much as they understand passion. Agreed. And that's why these idiots get voted in every single time. Because they show more passion than dedication.
1: Mm. I would have preferred Tulsi Gabbard, but here we are. (laughs) Fair enough. But I'm one of those crazy people who who actually wants things to get done for both sides because you can't have an effective union when nobody, when no side walks away happy or only one side walks away happy, because again, compromise, whatever. As with regards to abortion, you, you'll it's, as Orlando said, you need to you need to fucking put your put put your your legislative branch to accounting because I promise you, the right is already doing that. And they're doing it in force.
0: Yeah, that's not. That's why we're not saying we're not saying anything on them. It's not because they need to be convinced. They already are determined to do what needs to be done. And if they are that determined and they have their goals set, you need to set yours as well.
1: And with that said, folks, I believe we've uh, definitely had a nice, chunky conversation about things. It's a nice kind of christening for the fact that we haven't really recorded anything since January.
0: Yeah, that's mostly my fault. I, uh, I've had to, I've had quite a bit of a heavy burden for my job to do, and then, well, let's just say things have changed to the point where that is no longer an issue.
1: Indeed, he found a new ship to sail on without a captain who's rudderless, and it's always a good thing to see, especially for a fellow master of the Tiki Bar as he is. I appreciate the fact that we're back on track, and we hope to be recording going forward. We have segmented things out into two different sections, so if you want to listen to the first part of this, it's a little longer because of that, and with the formatting of Anchor, it makes things a little bit easier and tenable to bite-size things a bit more. They're both under an hour, so they'll take up a decent amount of time for your day if you need to have something in the background, something to percolate your brain stem and your brain cells and all that other, you know, brain juice stuff going on. And, of course, as we've always stated... Oh, you know, we we will have your uh your drink of choice or at least a new cocktail every t- every time we come in here, as far as thought process is concerned.
0: Yeah, feel free to leave any suggestions, and uh, if it's a uh, if it's a suggestion that if it's a topic that's worth discussing, we may consider it.
1: We've we posted the li- we post our link usually to our our phone our phone line, so you can leave a voicemail to us, and we will actually. More than likely, put it as a segment on our podcast when we actually do bring it up, and we will discuss it when it is presented to us. If not, obviously keep listening. Enjoy yourselves. We, our last, Our last episode in January actually had 27 listeners, which is awesome. We appreciate all 27 of you. Keep coming back to the bar. We will present you with more drinks as necessary. And obviously, as we do in most cases... Have yourself a good evening.
0: If you can't be drunk on alcohol, at least be drunk with knowledge. Agreed.
1: Cast off, friends.
0: Cast off. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us, uh, I have personally a account on Twitter under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar, if you would like to uh, check that out for updates on when we have our sessions.
1: We also have our voicemail link in the show notes. We will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward, as long as there are voicemails to be re- uh, to be listened to. Um Any further inquiries on that, uh, do feel free to PM either of us on Twitter, or you can go through the actual Facebook page to ask us any queries as well. Thank you so much to all of you. Safe travels to you all. Cast off, friends.